0: The first reading is for is Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens... The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field. The birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks Thanks be to God.
0: The Gospel is found in John chapter 16, verses 12 to 15. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
1: Trinity's, Trinity Sunday. We've been through the Christian year, we've moved through the life of Christ, the expectation of his coming, his nativity, his struggle with evil his suffering and death, his resurrection and ascension. And now we're challenged to consider the mystery of the nature of God and of man and the relationship between our God and his creation. How do we identify ourselves? Some years ago, Nita and I went to Morocco on a tour which included a trip into the desert. We wanted to see something of the basic nature of desert life, of its harshness and simplicity. As our party crossed the desert in our 4x4s, we spotted alone a nomad tent, and we diverted to see this more closely. Inside were three people, Mr Nomad, in his chair, was thinking deep thoughts. At his side, Mrs Nomad was engaged in her domestic activities. And Master Nomad was on the floor playing with his toys quietly. For a fee, we were allowed to take a photograph. But as our guide showed us round the outside of the tent, he lifted up a flap and... Uh, Inside, we saw hidden a gleaming silver motorcycle on which the family would travel, no doubt, to their real home elsewhere once the tourists had passed over the horizon. The illusion was exposed, a harmless deception, a way of escape from one world to another. Where, indeed, though, was the real life? of the Nomad family. Now we start with that reading from Psalm 8. The psalmist reflects with proper humility and wonder. When he raises the corner of God's tent, he lifts up his eyes to the heavens and he sees the moon and the stars, the animal kingdom and the work of God's fingers. That God is not an academic concept, not a mere force, but a person who knows them and cares for them. That is what gives meaning and purpose to their lives. The question which hangs over this psalm is in verse 6. And what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? The psalmist is thinking of the wonder of creation, perhaps of God as the beginning and the end, the one outside creation, and the breadth of the universe, the boundaries of which are forever being rolled back, as scientists ponder and explore its nature. And the psalmist is in awe. And man created a little lower than the angels made in the image of God, made with a capacity for good, to whom is given a degree of power and authority. Yet in another psalm, like Psalm 51, uh, we see the same psalmist overcome with a sense of his inadequacy. And he falls to his knees before this God as he confesses how far short of God's grace we have fallen and how much we need and long for his mercy and his forgiveness. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So he opens and closes the psalm with this sense of worship. How majestic is your name in all the earth. And then we turn to the gospel reading and we find ourselves with Jesus for part of the farewell discourse to the disciples before the Passion and his death. It is, of course, the most solemn of occasions. This is Jesus' last opportunity to prepare the disciples for the trauma of Calvary, of his own suffering and departure, and of their universal mission to convert the world which they must face. They must have been desperately fearful as they contemplated what lay ahead and how they were going to be cast adrift from their teacher and master at the time when they needed him most. You will see me no more, he says. You will be filled with grief. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. What is in his mind is not only the immediate events in Jerusalem, not only their own understandable fears and doubts and uh, troubles, but Jesus wants to turn their minds to where he is going, to the mystery of God himself, the Godhead, what the church came to call the Trinity. Here's another question hanging over this passage. Not, what is man that you are mindful of him, that you care for him? But, what is God that he should expect mankind ever to be mindful of him and trust him? Who is this God? And the answer comes in three parts. He starts with the spirit of truth. In the earlier verses, he calls this Spirit the Counselor, the Spirit who will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. And so it's the Spirit who will speak to the world. But now the emphasis is that he is the Spirit who will speak to the disciples, to the Church, to guide you into all truth, What the Spirit says to the world and to the disciples is the word from beyond, the word from God, the word who was in the beginning with God and who is God. The task of the Spirit is to speak the continuing message from the Father, which will bring glory to the Son, which will be both the challenge of truth, the inspiration of truth, and the power of truth. Without the life-bearing message of the Spirit, the work of the Church would be lifeless and powerless. His message is the truth about the Father, about Jesus, and about ourselves and our world, of which God is always mindful. But in this word from God, from Christ, there is Jesus himself, the second person of the Trinity, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is the aspect of the Godhead, who in the words of the Creed was made man. He is the one who the disciples have become devoted to, on whom they've come to place absolute reliance, the one who is their way, their truth, and their life. He is the shepherd who feeds them and protects them and leads them. And the one who in the upper room just now offered himself to them as their servant, washing them, feeding them, and sharing his deepest self for them as he dies for the transgression of my people. And he, Jesus, is about to face the power of evil to be mocked and scourged and condemned and crucified. But who amazingly would rise to new life and ascend to the Father? The Spirit will set forth this truth that the passion was not defeat, but the victory of good over evil. The Spirit will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. Much of what the disciples were unable to bear at that time the Spirit will bear witness to and that truth will bring glory to the Son. Their confusion about what was about to take place, their doubt expressed by Thomas, their failure demonstrated by Peter, their fears and ignorance and pain were real, but the Spirit of Pentecost would bring them Jesus and his restoration, forgiveness, reassurance, release, wisdom, and power, as the Spirit always does to the church which is open to the presence of the Spirit. Jesus the Son is the expression of the invisible God, always mindful of mankind, always knowing and caring and loving, always coming and always suffering. We may not see him, but we can lift the corner of the tent and glimpse the signs of his being in creation and salvation. But in and behind these verses we find the Father himself. Jesus is the Son, but is sent from the Father. The word Father suggests that Jesus is distinct from, but closely identified with with the Father, sharing the the glory of the Godhead, and reminds us that when we pray, we are to pray to him as Father. Just as we see in Jesus the character of the Father, his creativity and love and judgment, as well as his mercy, He calls us to be members of this family. His invitation is to come to his table. He is immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light inaccessible, hid from our eyes. When we lift up the flap then of God's tent, we see not falsehood exposed, but truth displayed. Lift up your eyes and see the beauty and the grandeur of the creation all round us, to see the sun like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion. Open your eyes to see the holiness of his being, that he is holy, 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 Lord God almighty, perfect in power and purity. Open your hearts to see the power of his love, respond to him as he calls us, to focus not on the world which is so immediate and so demanding, but so limiting, and to tune in to the new world of God's new kingdom and society. So the message of this passage is primarily to the little band of followers, weak, ignorant, and fearful. But it's a message too for us, his church yes we too uh, share the same problems we fail we are slow to understand we remain silent and unseen we face indifference and insult and many face persecution the task is too great for us all of us live too with the anxieties of the world of loss, of sickness facing ultimately death And after the ordeal was over, the disciples must have reflected on this farewell discourse and found the reality of the Father, the Son Jesus, and the Spirit of Pentecost, one God. They would hear again, in a little while, you will see me no more, but then, after a little while, you will see me. That, too, is the message for us. Amen.